Welcome back to the KPL Podcast. I am your host, Jigisha. Spooky season is upon us, and I'm very excited. It's my favorite time of the year. So this week, we have a horror writer as our interview. Hopefully, you like werewolves, because that is the main creature featured in this book. It's been a long time since I've seen a good werewolf film or read a book about werewolves, so I found this book to be extremely entertaining, and I think you will too. And we'll get to that in just a second. In addition, I wanted to talk about eight of the scariest books ever written. I think it's a pretty good list, and of course, one of the main authors featured twice on this list is the boogeyman living out in Maine. I think you know who I mean. But first, before we do that, let's talk to our guest. This week on the podcast, I have author Rachel Harrison, and she is here to talk about such sharp teeth. I'm very excited to talk about this book because we've got women in horror, something that you don't see very often. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, to jump right in, one of the first questions we always ask is, tell us about the book. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. Okay. Um, So Set Sharp Teeth is about Rory Morris, who is a very confident, independent woman in her late 20s, who reluctantly returns to her hometown when her sister, her twin sister, Scarlett, asks her because Scarlett is pregnant and estranged from her longtime partner. And so Rory leaves her New York City fast life only temporarily to come home and be with Scarlett. And after about a week of being home, she takes herself out for a drink and bumps into Ian, who is an old friend from her youth who was always into her, but Rory kind of looks like I'm going to stay consciously uncoupled. But now as an adult, maybe there's a spark there. And she's kind of distracted thinking about that on the way home when she hits something with her car. And when she gets out to investigate, she is attacked by a mysterious creature. And it's not a spoiler to say that creature is a werewolf. (laughs) And pretty soon, Rory starts noticing some physical changes that force her to confront some issues in her past that she's been um, reluctant to deal with thus far. And yeah, it's part dark comedy, part romance, lots of body horror, and yeah, with sharp teeth. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the inspiration for the book? So I I was just thinking about how hard it is to have a body, (laughs) how hard it is to exist in a body and, um, for me, thinking about my experiences, and I always thought it would get easier as the longer I lived in it, and it just gets harder. And particularly being in my body and thinking about the parallels between femininity and lycanthropy was kind of the inspiration that I was like, I want to write like a contemporary lady werewolf book. And then from there, the story kind of took shape. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I loved about the book was the parallels that you've drawn to menstruation and lycanthropy and pregnancy and lycanthropy. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, every month my body goes through this thing where I don't have any control and I'm moody and I don't feel good and my body hurts. And so, and, you know, Rory's going through the same thing as a werewolf. Yeah, full moon <laughs> once a month. And I, I think something that really interests me about body horror and werewolves specifically is that lack of control Mm -hmm. because we really don't have control over our bodies as much as we like to think we do. Um, And 
as a werewolf, you know, once a month, forget it. Your body's not your body. Absolutely. And I think even just, you know, as a, I can only speak as a woman. So as a, as a female, you know, your body isn't really in your control either at, you know, from time to time. And, and there's a lot of expectations too, for us to sort of be a certain way. Uh, I think one of the things that I loved was the smell of wet dog <laughs> throughout the book. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, as women were expected to be, to not take up space and to be quiet and to smell nice and to look pretty and not be hairy and werewolves are big and hairy and smelly and loud. And so that was an interesting um, deck out of me there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think also because it's, it's men aren't ex- not the same things are expected of men. So I think, I think that was another part of it that sort of like, Oh yeah, definitely. Being a werewolf is very close to, you know, is very similar to some aspects of being a woman. <laughs> yeah. One of the uh, things that you explore with the book is the relationship that Rory has with her mother and also with her friend, her sister. I, it's kind of interesting to see like women and relationships, like Rory, they're not the best of relationships. Yeah. There's a lot of, I think, nuance in, in all relationships. And I think particularly with Rory's mother, that relationship is really intense and complicated. And I, I wanted to explore, I love to write about relationships and I find relationships so fascinating and those familial relationships in this book, my first two books uh, really were very specific to friendship. Mm -hmm. And so in this book, I wanted to kind of expand and write about sisters and mothers and daughters. Um, there's a lot of tension there. And as writers, we always are like, where can I find the most drama? <laughs> because it makes it interesting. Um, and just as an exploration of, you know, human behavior and um, that kind of tension is always fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's kind of interesting because the men were sort of in the periphery. So Ian's there and Ian's wonderful and he's there. But yeah, this, the relationship that Rory has with uh, Mia, her her friend from childhood, her mother, and then even her twin, uh, I think is definitely the, the more interesting focus to it. Yeah, I think the relationship with Ian, as much as it's not a smooth road, it's kind of the most straightforward, mm-hmm. whereas the relationships between women are a little bit messier for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. yes so could you talk a little bit more about uh how did you come up with rory and ian trying to think rory is interesting because she is probably the most different from me in some aspects than my previous protagonist she's like very confident and self-assured but I think it was necessary for me to have a character who had all of their stuff together in this book, because how is the turning into a werewolf going to challenge the protagonist? If the protagonist is already in a bad place, then getting bitten wouldn't really, like it would just take them lower. So I wanted to have somebody who has a great job and loves her life and loves herself and then take her into a different place because that mm-hmm. she's really going to have to like everything was good before and now it is not good. And so that was more interesting, that push and pull. 
And so what does that character look like who is super confident and like carries herself a certain way? So that's kind of where Rory came from. And then to think about her perfect match, somebody who would compliment her and who would be, she's a big personality. So somebody who can kind of let her shine and support her and who also is like a big catch because Rory's not super interested in relationships. So what would make her question that? Um, So he kind of had to be this like perfect guy who maybe doesn't realize he's as perfect as he is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how they came about, but also just like sometimes these, (laughs) I write something and I'm like, I don't know where these aspects came from. It just sort of happens on the page. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just loved, I loved how Ian was just like, yeah, you're fine. I I think it's all good. <laughs> it's super chill. Yes. And it's also like he's been in, like, he's had a crush on her for, like, his whole life. And so I think there's something to that, too, when you think about, you know, your first love. There's that, like, nostalgia, too. Yeah, yeah. And he knows her. He, he yeah. seems to understand all aspects of her. Yeah, he's he was a lot of fun to read. And what made you decide to do werewolf? Uh, I guess in terms of horror, I guess there's 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 other creatures out there. And what made you decide on a werewolf? I think it was specifically when I was like thinking about the lack of control was what drew me to werewolves. And I also think it's interesting with werewolves. It's just once a month is really like it's you're a werewolf forever, but the change isn't like you're still in your body some of the time Mm -hmm. and then it's like you lose control and then you're back to being in your body and that kind of roller coaster of it where something like a vampire or like any most other creatures that's like a permanent state of Mm -hmm. being like you don't you're not like a vampire one day and then you're like back to eating cheeseburgers the next day like it's a permanent state of being so i think what's so interesting about werewolves is just the like you still have one foot in your humanity mm-hmm. and then one foot in being a monster and that is super interesting and there's a lot to dig in there not to say i won't write a vampire book someday but <laughs> no that makes sense though yeah yeah definitely you only i mean you're only a werewolf for that one night but it's such a traumatic made massive change and i think one of the things that i really enjoyed were the descriptions like the like rory's first change i mean that was it was chilling and also just gross (laughs) yeah but a lot of like what's what i found so interesting is it's so disgusting and intense but a lot of what we experience just as people in our bodies is gross and intense like if you ever have like a hacking cough and you're just like oh there's mucus like that is so gross when you sit down and think about it but it's just something that we deal with because we live in our bodies mm-hmm. and the same thing with menstruating it's like it seems so horrific but you just kind of get used to it and so that's something that i found really interesting when i was like writing these like horrific changes cuz even by the time she gets like transforms multiple times in the book by kind of is like you can tell that like all of the disgusting things that her body goes through she's just sort of 
like adapting to it because that's what we do. We're very adaptable. And so I think realistically, if any of us were transformed into a werewolf, it'd be horrific. But eventually you're just like, oh, it's full moon tonight. Yeah. (laughs) The same as if, you know, you were like, oh, I have to go get blood drawn. Like the same kind of like, you just, we're very adaptable creatures. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think the other part of that was the the childbirth descriptions, which were, I have not created a human, so I haven't experienced childbirth, but some of the descriptions you put in there, there was one line that really freaked me I out. I know it. That is, so I also have not given birth, but so in order to educate myself to write those scenes, I watched a lot, a lot of childbirth vlogs and it was intense <laughs> and I was not okay. And that line was taken not verbatim, but it was, it came up in one of the vlogs I was watching and I was like, they're all so chill about this. And that is not a chill thing to say or a chill thing to happen. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) it was my like YouTube search was confused. It was like 50% werewolf videos and 50% childbirth (laughs) vlogs. (laughs) YouTube's like, are you okay? (laughs) Yes, yes, I could see that. I bet authors have the strangest search histories. Especially horror authors. It's like decapitation and like all this. We're probably on a lot of like government lists because of our Google searches. Yes, I could see that. What is your, do you have a favorite horror book or movie or? Oh, so my favorite horror movie is called The Orphanage um, and it's J.A. Bayona. And it's about a woman who returns home to the orphanage she was raised in as a child. And she buys the orphanage. She's turning it into a home for special needs children. And she has an adopted son um, who is ill. And the adopted son begins to talk about his friend Tomas. And it's an imaginary friend. Um, But soon thereafter... Uh, her son goes missing and uh, it becomes apparent that the orphanage is haunted. Um, it's the scariest movie I've ever seen, but it's also like just a beautiful story and very emotional and beautifully shot. Um, so that's probably my favorite horror movie. Horror book is really hard because I read a lot of wonderful horror books. My two favorite in recent memory, I'm reading... Um, this Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. And it's just some of the most stunning prose I've ever read and scary and profound and just wonderful book. And then The Paul Bearers Club by Paul Tremblay is another recent favorite. Oh, okay. I have not heard of either one of those two, so I'll have to add those on. So I'm always looking for new books. <laughs> They're both... Um, the Paul Bearers Club is lighter, it's not like, it's like a fun book. It's very mm-hmm. like emotional and heartfelt. Um, and there's some genuinely scary moments, but it's also like balanced with some like real levity. Um, this thing between us is about like grief. So it's a little more intense. It still has some funny lines and everything, but I would say if you're in the mood for something a bit lighter, Paul Bearer's Club. And if you're like in the mood to like be in your feelings, <laughs> then this thing between us by Gus Moreno. All right. I will definitely keep that in mind. 
So what's next for you? Are you working on another horror book or? Yeah. So um, book four is currently in with my editor. Mm -hmm. So um, I should be getting my edits very soon and I'll dive in on those. And that's going to be out next October. So I'm, I'm trying to churn them out. So I have a, a treat to give people <laughs> every October. Yeah. I hope to keep writing horror for a long time. Can you tell us anything else about the new book? So it's more of a like family drama mm-hmm. that I think vibe wise, I kind of wanted to go for like hereditary meets malignant, like the mm-hmm. sort of like art house or family drama of hereditary with like the crazy campiness of malignant to kind of marry those two things, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and just celebrate the genre a little bit more and kind of sink in the genre. I think for my last two books with such sharp teeth and cackle, the world was such an, was in such a dark place and things felt very bleak that I wanted my books to be a little bit lighter, have a little more levity. And now, I mean, things are still bleak, but I'm able to like go out and socialize and, Mm -hmm. um, not just like alone in my house all the time. So I can kind of dive back into the darkness and still have um, a little bit of a balance in my life outside of it. So I'm dialing up the horror a little bit more in book four. All right. Something to look forward to. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, Listeners, Such Sharp Teeth is available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library and wherever amazing books are sold. Thank you. Thank you so much. As I said in the introduction, it is spooky season, and I wanted to do some spooky recommendations. Actually, I wanted to do some horror recommendations. I'm going to go through eight of the scariest horror books ever written. But first, let's talk about what makes a book scary, or a story scary. Because horror is one of the most popular genres out there, in terms of film, books, and television. It is defined as a genre intended to scare, shock, or terrorize its readers slash viewers. But let's talk about these next eight books. The first book on the list is The Shining by Stephen King. This story follows the Torrance family. They are hired as caretakers of the Overlook Hotel during its off-season. Basically, three people in a giant empty hotel. This was Stephen King's third novel and published in 1977. So the book is 45 years old. (laughs) Wow. Next on the list is Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. Now, in both cases of The Shining and this second book, I have seen the movies and also read the book. This book was actually published back in 1976, so it's actually even older than Stephen King's book. When it initially came out, it was given mixed reviews by critics and readers. But now, it is one of Anne Rice's most popular books. Number three on the list is Dracula by Bram Stoker. Well, you know this is popular because there are so many movies and television based on Dracula. This book was first published in 1897. And it tells the tale of Count Dracula's attempt to move from Transylvania to England 
so that he may find new blood and spread the undead curse. Moving on to number four, Mary Shelley. Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. This book was written in 1818. It tells the story of Victor Frankenstein, a scientist who creates a monster made from pieces of corpse. Frankenstein is one of the earliest examples of science fiction, and it is still very popular and widely read. So fun fact, Mary Shelley wrote this when she was just 18 years old. And of course, this particular novel, just like Dracula, has been adapted into films, shows, graphic novels, etc. Okay, number five on the list is The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty. And yes, the movie was based on this book. So this was first published in 1971. It is a supernatural horror story about the demonic possession of a young girl and the priests who attempt to exorcise the demon. The book was adapted into a movie in 1973 starring Linda Blair. The movie was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. It is considered one of the best horror movies ever made. Okay, this one is extremely scary. I had a very difficult time getting through the movie. I have not read the book and probably never will. I'm just a big chicken. Number six is Carrie by Stephen King. As with The Shining and Interview with the Vampire, I have read the book and seen the movie. The story is about a young girl who comes into her telekinetic powers as a teenager. She is also being bullied by classmates and has a overbearing zealot mother. I didn't find either the movie or the book to be scary, although I did enjoy the book more than the movie. Stephen King is a master at writing horror. Number seven, The Omen by David Seltzer. The Omen was published in 1976. Apparently the late 70s were great years for publishing horror novels. The novel concerns the Antichrist, a child born to Satanist and the efforts of a group of people to stop him from fulfilling his destiny. This book has been a bestseller for years. It was also adapted into a film in 1976. And then there's been at least two sequels and a remake. I haven't read the book, but I have seen the movie. And yes, another scary one, but this one I could actually sit through, unlike The Exorcist. And number eight is another Stephen King book. The book is Pet Cemetery. This was a horror novel published in 1983. This follows the Creed family after they move from Chicago to Maine and they discover a pet cemetery that acts as a gateway to the undead. This book was also adapted into a film in 1989 and remade in 2019. This was Stephen King at his best. Well, what did you think of my list of eight? I'm sure there's many other books out there that are probably just as scary, if not scarier. If you've got any suggestions for me, please let me know. You can write to me at podcast at kplmo.org. Yes, we've changed our email address a little bit. So that email address is podcast at kplmo.org. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the interview and my list of horror books to check out. I'm going to leave you with a quote by Terry Pratchett. But the purpose of the book is not the horror. It is horror's defeat. Stay tuned next week when we have local author Jan Jacoby talking about Lincoln and Springfield.